Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Amy Lincoln is a New York-based artist who makes carefully observed and imaginatively colored paintings of plants in a natural world. She's exhibited her work in New York at galleries such as Morgan Lehman and Regina Rex, at Pulse, Miami Beach, and Monia Rowe Gallery in St. Augustine, Florida, where she had a solo exhibition in 2016. Lincoln received her MFA in painting from Tyler School of Art in Philadelphia and a BA in Studio Art from the University of California, Davis. She's participated in a Lower Manhattan Swing Space Residency, the Inside Out Art Museum Artist Residency in Beijing, as well as the Wave Hill Winter Workspace in New York City. Her work has been reviewed in Hyperallergic, The New Criterion, Two Coats of Paint, and The Brooklyn Rail. I met up with Amy at her studio in Glendale, Queens, and we talked about critiques, kids, insomnia, swing dancing, and a whole lot more. Here's our conversation. A stool to you like the kind of stool that lets you know that you're in the stool. I like a standing desk actually. That's what that box is for. Oh, really? I, yeah, I do. Um, I I work from home for my day job, so I put my laptop up on there and and you stand. Do that, yeah. You know, it's funny. Like maybe two years ago, I'm, I want to say two or three years ago, I noticed where I teach that a lot of people just all of a sudden no more da- no more uh, chairs. Everyone's huh. just standing and working. Which is funny uh, when you walk by someone's office, like the like the admin offices. Yeah, at the yeah, university. yeah, like the offices. Yeah, where you're usually you walk in and you see someone sitting. And they yeah, talk, and you walk by and they're just standing up at like mission control. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess it, <laughs> that's it's good. It's good for you though, right? Well, I mean, yeah. For me, I feel like my back doesn't hurt as much, and I'm um, just more alert too. Mm-hmm. Like I used to, um, when I was in my twenties, I would like if I ever had a desk job, I would fall asleep at it. Because yeah. I was just like kind of narcoleptic, and then oh, yeah. I when I got a little older, I kind of grew out of it. But um, don't you though, especially after having a child, feel like you could fall asleep standing up sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> I actually there were critiques in probably undergrad and grad school where I fell asleep standing up, yeah. like the, you know, it would just be hours and hours, and I would like literally nod like, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten really talented <laughs> at falling asleep in the past. <laughs> five years i think yeah yeah Yeah, and like coffee too doesn't do it anymore really i can i can be drinking seriously i can be drinking coffee and fall asleep yeah (laughs) and i didn't just start it just doesn't do it yeah it doesn't seem to have the power it used to have yeah i don't i'm not a coffee drinker um but yeah i don't know i just don't sleep as well as i used to either like i i didn't used to have insomnia but now i do it's like all the stuff I guess mind. so. Yeah, I don't know. In do you my... ever wake up and just start thinking about stuff you have to do? or? I just wake up at like 2 or 3 in the morning and I'll be awake for 2 or 3 hours. Right. Or sometimes like the rest of the day, which is the worst. Because Are you of... a device person? Like do you uh, I try. Bed? I try not to. I'm very like sensitive to it. I mean, yeah. I have like the night mode. I always put my phone on night mode like a couple hours before I go to bed. Right. And I mean, I would maybe read a little bit in, in bed before... I fall asleep, but yeah, uh, I don't know what it is. Even if I don't do that, I will sometimes wake up at three in the morning. Yeah. I don't know. 
The wheels start turning. Yeah, my mom's the same way. I I think it's just like genetic. Are you a light sleeper? Um, not terribly. Like it's not like something will wake me up. I'll just just wake up. Like I'll wake up to go to the bathroom and then that'll be it. Yeah, up for hours. I'm a super light sleeper. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Anything will wake me up. Yeah. It's weird. I know. Did that get worse when you had a kid? It did, yeah, because yeah. your radar is always Yeah, on, you're always, right? like, listening for yeah. them. Yeah, you never... It's weird. That's yeah. the one thing... Well, not the one, but that's something that people don't sort of talk about or I never heard about when yeah. you have kids is that you're never off the grid or you're never... Yeah. Like, you're always kind of, like, your ear is yeah. tuned in to, like, you know, if your phone goes off, like, I can't ignore my phone anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, yeah. you yeah, just yeah. always are thinking about... Right, person, being so. available. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can never really go off the grid. Yeah, totally. Well, I, maybe some parents do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, responsible parents, yeah. I think, stay on the grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's uh, it definitely takes a lot more. But, I mean, I feel like I'm not as responsive to her as I was when she was tiny. Yeah. Because now she's just, she'll, like, cry a little bit in her sleep and... If I go in there, then I'll wake her up. So I, it's better to just, let her go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if she's like really awake and crying, I go in. But remember the whole like when whether to go in when they're crying or not when they're babies. That whole dilemma. Oh my god! Yeah, it's the such a old dilemma. Yeah, no, it's weird. It's like a, it's almost like a political divide between like whether you do cry it out or co-sleeping. I mean, we we slept. I slept with her for a while. Yeah. Um, so I just. Yeah, I fully went that way. Well, there was just an article someone posted online saying that if you let your kids cry it out, you cause emotional damage oh. and stress to them for the rest of their life. Uh. And I was like, oh, geez. Because, you know, those things are always up and down. Like, it's good, it's bad, it's yeah, good. Yeah, I know, I know. But then that one, I was like, yes. Because we never. <laughs> you didn't do cry, cry it out no, either. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't yeah. do that. Like, yeah. just listen I couldn't to do it either. I couldn't do it either. But I, I feel like I, I try to be sensitive to it because so many people do do it. And it's like they're the only thing that saves them from like never sleeping or right. like people with twins. It seems like there's no other way to to get by. Yeah. Those, but yeah, I those noise canceling headphones would be really good for that. Because <laughs> if you hear it, can you really ignore it? Can you oh, really God. sleep through that? Yeah. No, I mean, I just couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't listen to her cry like that. Yeah. And I we had this nanny briefly who started doing cry it out with her without asking me when oh, she yeah. was like three, four months old. And I was like, we're paying you to right. like take care, to go and, you know, pick her up when she's crying. Ugh, and she crazy. used the, no, no, it's fine. It's, she's going to oh be Oh my fine. God. Yeah. Yeah. She's on her, I got, yeah. do you ever go to the park and see like nannies on their phone the whole time? Oh my God. Banging a stroller into a pole. It's just like texting people or calling people. Yeah. Yeah. We had this other, we had this other terrible nanny who like kept her strapped into her car seat or her um, stroller, like mm-hmm. in our apartment. Like, I would come home oh, and see geez. her, like, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm sort of like, now I I can trust my intuition a little bit better. Right. And I also feel like I don't want, I'm not like, oh, I don't know how to be a parent. Like, how do I deal with this baby? Because I think I had that attitude when I hired at least one nanny. And so she was like, oh, I'll come in and, like, tell you how yeah, to do yeah. this. And which is not good, you know, where if I was like, this is what I want, like, do this, do that, then we would be able to figure out faster that it wasn't right. a match or you know yeah it's not easy 
Oh my God, it's crazy. Okay, yeah. sorry to go down like kid lane right <laughs> off, the, off the get go. That's okay. Well, speaking uh, of like kids, yeah, where did you where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in suburbs of Portland, Oregon. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a nice area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That whole. Yeah. Like I was telling you, when I was in a band, we used to play. We you know we played Portland. And uh, oh, cool. driving around there, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, Portland's great. I, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, so it wasn't like that cool. But once I got into high school, I would like go into the city and hang out at coffee shops. And um, I mean, I wasn't like a huge like band seer, but I, I went to a couple shows with my it's friend who was a musician. Good music out there. Yeah, yeah. And just a cool, it was just a really cool town. I mean, it is a really cool town, probably cooler now. Yeah. Um, what brought your parents to Portland? Or were they lifers? My mom grew up in Oregon. She grew up in Astoria, which is this town on the beach where they filmed Goonies. and. Um, oh, that beach. Yeah. We all know what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, Astoria is a beautiful town. Um, so she grew up there. And she left for a while. She went to college. And I was actually born in Bloomington, Indiana. And then um, my parents got divorced. And my mom moved us back to Oregon mm-hmm. to be close to her family. Uh, and, yeah, I grew up in, in Beaverton, Oregon. How was it? Um, it was good. I mean, suburban. it was, yeah, very suburban, very white, you know, very homogenous. Yeah. Um, but it was it was nice. Um I mean, I, I think, like, there weren't... I, f- I remember feeling like the other kids' moms stayed home and not that many moms worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were different. I that, was... Uh, yeah, I think I felt a little a little different. And, like, yeah, I think I always felt a little bit um, different, a little weird or something. Like, I was into art and... Yeah, how did know. the creative side come into play? Um, <clears throat> I mean, my... My older brother was pretty creative, like he drew a lot, and he was actually, he's also a, a musician. Um, my whole family is, is pretty musical, more than oriented towards art. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my brother played music, and he drew a lot, and I really looked up to him, and so I drew a lot, and then I remember seeing him when he got into middle school, he stopped drawing, and I was like six, and I was like, I'm never going to stop. Um, <laughs> that's going to be, you're going to take that over. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, or I think, I think it did kind of become my thing because I did music also, but I felt like I wasn't as good at music. Like he was way better at music, but then he kind of gave up on art. So that kind of became my thing. Yeah. Did um, he play guitar? He played, um, the clarinet and the saxophone. Oh, wow. And my mom. A woodwind guy. Yeah. 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 Cool. And um, my mom played the piano, and I played the piano for a long time. And my dad played the piano and the guitar. And my mom and my dad both sing. Now wow. my brother sings, actually. So. What were they? What were your parents into music-wise? Um, my like Bob Dylan. I was gonna say like, Paul and Mary, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> something about like a husband and wife singing and playing guitar together that makes you think just folk. I know. Yeah. They. Yeah. Well. Um, not Peter, Paul, and Mary, but definitely Bob Dylan and Joan Baez. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was into Joni Mitchell. But, I mean, now my mom's just in, like, church choir, and so is my dad, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. They... It would have been funny if you were, like, Sleater Kinney. <laughs> <laughs> like, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's... They weren't, like, I mean, they were, like, sort of hippies a little bit, I guess. But they were, my, my dad was a college professor, too, and I don't know. He was... But he he was really into Bob Dylan. He'll like sing like Bob Dylan. And, yeah, yeah. 
So you grew up liking that kind of stuff? Or did you um, push away? I I mean, I didn't... I think I liked whatever was on, yeah. like, Z100, Top 40, pop music kind of stuff when I was a kid, like right. a, you know, elementary school kid. And then yeah. when I was in middle school, I think, like, that's when, like, grunge and... I don't know. Nirvana was big, and I—I I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I didn't have very sophisticated musical tastes. Um, and, and then I had—I made a friend in high school who started introducing me to like Radiohead and Bjork and mm-hmm. Portishead, and um, I was more—you know—then I was like, oh, this is cool, and I kind of figured out where I fit in the whole like high school, you know. Right. Feet food chain. Yeah. Music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like an artsy kid. And I like found the other artsy kids. And, right. you know, after like trying and failing to be like friends with the popular girls. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they were like the new kids on the block ones or something. Uh, well, I guess this is after. This would be post that. Like, yeah. what's the alternative of Portishead? God, what were my friends world? listening to? Um, I don't know. I mean, or what were. I just don't think, I just think it was like top 40, you know, like, uh, what was it then? Yeah, maybe, maybe, um, maybe it was like the Backstreet Boys or something. Right. Yeah, I can't place Portishead because they were around for a while. Right. Well, I think it was probably 90s. Early 90s was when they. Or maybe early. Maybe I just found out about it in the late 90s. Because I listened to Portishead in undergraduate school and that was like 90, well, I guess mid 90s. Yeah, mid to late 90s. They were really good. Yeah. Did you ever see them live? No. Really good, live yeah. Too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they weren't, you know, they didn't play too much. They were kind of like, you know, an enigma that band. Like, yeah. you, you didn't, or I didn't read a lot of interviews or see them a lot, but their music was so good. Yeah, I really liked it. I had a job at Nordstrom actually. I was, I worked in the like, uh, like juniors department, <laughs> <laughs> um, like stocking clothes, and I would. They had, you know, like a a music kind of playlist that would come on. It was right. always in the same order. And whenever I heard, like, I knew, it, like, the song that came before the Portishead song. So I'd, like, get a, you know, pile a bunch of clothes on my arm, like, right before that. So I could, like, you know, slowly put clothes away <laughs> while listening to right. that Portishead song. That's but, cool. Yeah. God, those, remember those? The playlists in stores that were, yeah. you would know them, know them? Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that was, like, my first job. Redundant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in high school, you, did you start taking it to the next level? Like you were... Oh, for art? Yeah. Right yeah, I mean, yeah. I was like, I was always like, I drew really well. I like, I would, I would like sit in front of the mirror and draw self-portraits mm-hmm. when I was in elementary school. And um, I was just, that was like the thing that I was, that I felt like people knew me for. Right. Um, and in middle school, it was like, I don't know. Yeah, it was just like... The thing that I felt like I was good at and that people recognized me for. And um, so I started take at some point I started taking lessons with this guy who was an artist for DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. He lived he he was like we were in the same um, church like it's a the Unitarian church. Mm-hmm. He wasn't we, we didn't go to the same church, but we like met at some like church event. And my mom set me up to have lessons with him. So he, like, taught me how to draw the human figure in proportion and, like, the proportion of the face. And um, so I got really into that. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I always took a lot of art classes. Um, Did he draw for for the comic books? Yeah. Yeah, so he must have been. Those guys. Ron Randall was his name. Yeah, I'm not. I, I never was, like, a comic 
book guy. Like I, I didn't I know that much yeah. about it, but they're always impressive. Yeah. How they can draw. I mean, it was, I knew like, yeah, it was, I feel like as an artist, it's a skill that's really not that valuable now, you know, but right, right. at the time it was like, I could draw a really realistic like person and I could draw it out of my head. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. Yeah. And the, yeah. There's stock in that when you're younger, when you're, you know? yeah. When you're like 14, that's right. super cool. But Look what I can do. Yeah. And then you go to art school and yeah, and then everybody's like, nobody cares about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Congratulations, yeah. you can make that look like that. Now yeah. what? And yeah, it's exactly. It's like a crisis of like, it oh my really God, was. What, do, what do I do? But yeah. so you had a good art teacher in high school, I imagine? Um, yeah, or, she was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't like, it's not like she was she my art teachers. Reason. No, yeah. no. It was just like, it was just something that I was really into. And I would spend like a lot of time at home because um, everybody in my house kind of like had their own projects like my mom was always gardening my brother was like on the computer or playing music and so I was like well what am I going to do and so I would just draw for hours um, and yeah same into same thing into high school and then I was like oh I guess I better pick a major like I'll I guess I'll be an art major but I mean you it was in just, high school What's that? In high school? No, I mean like to oh. pick a, a major for when college when I was yeah, like yeah. applying to college or, or not when I was applying, but like when I accepted, you know, you have to like pick a major going in. And yeah. So yeah, I was just like, oh, well, that's sort of the obvious choice. That's right. what, but I didn't necessarily think I would have a career in it. And you didn't necessarily want to go to just an art school. No, I mean, my dad taught at uh, UC Berkeley, so he was kind mm-hmm. of like, you can go to a University of California school. Right. They're good, and they're not that expensive, mm-hmm. and you can have in-state, in-state tuition because he taught there. And I was like, okay, and that those were sort of the options that were presented to me, so I didn't really like look outside of that too much. Right. But um, I did visit, um, yeah, I mean, I went to UC Davis because at the time that sort of had one of the better reputations as an art school, although I think really UCLA was probably the better school, but I didn't really want to live in LA. Um, That's a big shift. Yeah. I just didn't even that, like, I think from the time I was a kid, I just didn't want to be riding in cars all the time. Like I got car sick a lot. And so I just knew like I, I wanted to live somewhere that I could walk or take the train or yeah, you'd be spending a lot of time in L.A. Yeah, in sitting in a car. Right. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't want to live there. So how was UC Davis? <clears throat> it was good. Yeah, it was great. Um, did you go right into, you know, BFA or did you, or studio art or did you have... Yeah, I went right into studio art um, and it wasn't a BFA, it was a BA program. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I went right into that and I worked with actually Loie's dad, um, Dave Hollowell. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's how I know Loie. Um, I've heard about him. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> he's great. Um, so he was super supportive of me and he, you know, he had a big impact on me. Um, although also I feel like I had to unlearn a lot of that when I got to grad school and, and in New York, like, you yeah. know, just a lot of emphasis on like drawing from life and, um, you know, not as much. Uh, yeah. So I, there was a lot that I had to kind of unlearn too but I yeah I loved it I mean I loved him and he gave me a studio space in his office like he wow, his nice. yeah his office was like only studio spaces he didn't use it at all mm-hmm. so he just like I think there were four um students who got to use it as studio space nice so I had a studio for um I think like 
maybe three years in college or, or at least two years, like my junior and senior year. Wait, so other people didn't necessarily get a studio? No. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. It was me and like this older guy in a wheelchair and um, this woman who was, I think, also older. And then Dan Herr, who lives here now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know him. He's an abstract painter. Um, so the people who didn't get studios, did they just work in classrooms? I guess? Yeah. yeah. And that's what I did before I got the studio is I would just work in one of the art rooms. Right. Like I'd come in a lot. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just go in and paint all the time. And what were you making back then? Um, like, uh, like self portraits a lot and, um, and like figure paintings. Dave's classes were all, they were, a lot of them were like figure drawing, figure painting. So I would get into that. Um, but I think in college, I wasn't really, like, coming up with a lot of my own ideas. Um, you were just, like, assignments, like Yeah, class mostly assignments. And then I think the last year, I started kind of working in series more. Like, I just figured out, like, I need to be making art constantly or I don't feel good. Like, I feel right. like it just... So I, I started this series of portraits of, um, I think, I don't know, just various people I knew from photos and it was just a way to like make piece after piece after piece. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I started doing those my senior year, and then I kind of figured out I was like, oh, this makes me happy. Like, there's not. I mean, I had I had a boyfriend at the time, and I was like, this doesn't make me happy. And like, <laughs> you know, like right. painting, like this makes me happy. Like this feels good. Right. So it was kind of like, oh, okay, this is. And then at, at some point in college, I mean, there was also a, a teacher, Robin Hill. And this guy, Conrad Atkinson, and they were kind of like telling me like, okay, you could move to New York. Like you could, um, you know, look at uh, Jenny Savile's paintings or like look at uh, Lisa Uscavage or Cindy Sherman. There, I started to be a little more aware of like contemporary art because I just wasn't, I mean, we looked at books and stuff, but I think that's a big difference between the West Coast and the East Coast is there just wasn't as much art on the West Coast to see in person. Right. Um, so I, yeah, so then, and well, then, that's honestly though, well, I guess, I mean, that's really a New York, maybe DC thing. And Boston the, too. There's lots yeah, of Yeah. And Boston. Yeah. That's true. Or Philly. There's a lot of great art to see in Philly. All right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> or true. even Pittsburgh. You're from Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. There's not yeah. that much in Pittsburgh. Well, there's like the mattress factory and that's the, true. The, the, Warhol. the Carnegie, what is it? Like the, the Carnegie Biennial or something? Yeah. The the International. Okay. Which yeah. is every three, International. Yeah. yeah which yeah. is every three years. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good show too. Yeah. And the Warhol Museum. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how little um so the area of Pittsburgh I'm from is called Carnegie. Uh-huh. But people who aren't from Carnegie say Carnegie. Oh. And that's how you can tell whether <laughs> someone's from Pittsburgh or not. Uh, if okay. they say Carnegie or Carnegie. Carnegie. Okay. So the only it's funny because the only thing I won't say Carnegie for is Carnegie Hall because uh-huh. it's Carnegie Hall so uh-huh. I say it that way which is funny <laughs> that's funny but yeah the 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 Carnegie International it's a great show yeah yeah I and went... when you're young it's like what is you know because yeah it's a whole different spectrum of work yeah that you don't normally get to see which is really cool yeah I mean I when I was in college I went to um the San Francisco MoMA mm-hmm. a, f- a bunch and but I feel like I didn't really, <clears throat> it didn't really sink in for me until I did a, so when I was at Davis, um, Robin Hill, <clears throat> she told me about Brandeis University and about this post-baccalaureate painting program that they have there. So I applied to that and ended up going there right after college. How was that? 
Um, it was great. It was great. I mean, it was also just like, I think it was this, the next step that I needed to start to start making work more as an artist and not as much as a student. Right. Um, was it two years? It was one year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of optional. Some people did two years, but I did one year and then I applied to grad school basically with work that I made in the first semester there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, it was great. Um, they were like a lot more uh, keyed into like what was happening in New York. And there was like the vitamin P book, which was really exciting for all of us. But I mean, I feel like at that point it was like so much about books for right. me, like monographs. And, yeah. um, and I then, know, and now... Right now it's like, oh, I went and well, actually now it's more about Instagram. I feel like, yeah, it is. You know. <laughs> I know I have to like drag yeah. students to the library and be like, look, there's books. These things are amazing. You know, just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Books um, are really nice. Yeah. That was yeah. the only way I, you know, being in, when I was an undergraduate in Penn state, you, the only way I saw anything, I didn't go to New York really. I think I went once or twice maybe, but yeah. it was all art magazines. Like yeah, art, art forum, forum, art in America. Yeah, and it's, I loved New American paintings. Oh, that's what it's, it's like a yeah, yeah. competition yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I would always look at that. So <clears throat> that so you had the one year there and went straight to grad school. Yeah, I had one year there and I went straight to grad school. But yeah, while I was at Brandeis, I lived near Harvard, mm-hmm. so I would go to the Fogg Museum a lot. Oh, nice! And like the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum mm-hmm. and um, like the what is it Museum of Fine Art. Boston, I don't know, the big Boston museum. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'd go to all, like all those museums and, um, or like there was a museum in Western Mass that we took a field trip to. So I really started to absorb like, oh, this is what contemporary art is. Because I think I always had this really strong desire to make things. And when I was a kid, it was like, oh, I can draw well. So that was, you know, my thing. But then I, then I needed to be kind of opened up to like what, painting was now and yeah and Boston has one really great thing what did you ever go to the ICA was that yeah a, yeah definitely so there's such yeah, a yeah. wide swath of work from like contemporary to older so you know you yeah. can see a lot of different things there which yeah is really yeah good. yeah totally how so, was, yeah. did you like being there in Boston yeah I didn't particularly like living there it was it was a tough adjustment from like California to Boston because yeah. it was cold and just people were like I had this very I lived in this crazy um, co-op in college that they were all they were domes like literally styrofoam and fiberglass domes mm-hmm. so it was like just total hippie uh, existence there were like chickens and we had parties constantly and it was just very California like you know um, it was a lot of fun and, and kind of easy and and then I got to Boston and it was like really cold and there was also like way more class difference yeah. uh, on the East Coast and in Portland like you know like the rich people the rich kids in my class like their parents owned a car dealership or something like it wasn't like oh my parents came over on the Mayflower and right. you know we have three country houses and yeah. you know so when I got to Boston it was like <clears throat> just there you know you could sort of sense this crazy wealth um right. and poverty yeah um so that was kind of weird you know to adjust more tension to. in that city too right i feel like yeah it's, it can be a little tense yeah well it's not like new york where everybody's from somewhere else and right. so you're all just like oh hi i just got here too like let's hang out boston's a little more like oh my family's been here forever and i've got my whole group of friends and yeah it's like half provincial half big city too yeah so there's a lot of there's a a dynamic there yeah yeah it was i didn't i didn't particularly like 
living there, I was really ready to leave. Mm-hmm. But I, I did love the program, and I, I made some really good friends there, and I had really good teachers. So it was yeah. it was great for me. So how did you decide on grad school? Um, I, uh, I mean, Tyler... I got into a few, well, I I just knew I wanted to go to grad school. I mean, when I was in college, I remember talking to this professor, Robin Hill, about wanting to move to New York. And she was like, don't just move, don't just like move straight from Davis to New York. It'll, it'll suck. Like go to grad school and then go to New York because you'll have more friends. You'll have more of a network built in. Yeah. So I, I pretty much followed her advice. And, and then when I was at Brandeis, that was, it just seemed like that's what everybody was trying to do was go to grad school and. I don't know, it seemed like kind of the next logical step. And I, I don't, I, it would have been tough to just live there and like live in Boston or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of always wanted to go to New York. Yeah. Um, and what year was this when you went to Tyler? Uh, it was uh, 2004, 2004 to 2006, mm-hmm. I guess. So I feel like that's right before, you know how there was kind of like a changed where people were like well grad school you might not need that oh not like right after that yeah it wasn't prescriptive like yeah when I was an undergrad it was like you just go to grad school that's what you do if you uh, want to be serious about it yeah but then I think when the economic downturn hit in uh, the 2000s yeah. people started saying well maybe you don't maybe need you don't to need go to, into yeah. debt or like you know yeah two more years of, of tuition and yeah you know just make it work or whatever but you felt like that the professors were saying like Let's, yeah you know, I think he's into it with grad school. Well, and I think I just felt like so strongly like this is what I want to do with my life. Like I want to be an artist. And I also felt like, (laughs) you know, foolishly overconfident at at my prospects. You know, I was just like, I know this is going to happen for me. Like I just got to do I got to do this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And like all the steps were like laid out clearly. And it was, you know, yeah, it was just like I knew what I wanted to do and. So you went from Boston to Philly. I yeah. mean, talk about the provincial jump. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those are yeah. both two pretty... I mean, just I'm just thinking about sports, too. Like, oh. the kind of like... You know what I mean? That that pride of the cities and kind of like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I loved Philly. I, I liked Philly better than Boston. It was, yeah. it was a little warmer. And it just wasn't like... Boston's a little, like, full of itself, kind mm-hmm. of. And Philly's not. Like, Philly's kind of like... Oh, yeah, it's like a little, you know, parts of it are kind of, are, are really crazy bombed out. I mean, you know, yeah. just like the like a, the whole North Philly area is just like, you know, so kind of destitute. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I, I, I love Tyler. Um, actually, I mean, this when I went there, Tyler was quite a ways north of the city. It was in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I loved I loved it there. Um, and also, you know, worked with really great professors and, um, you know, I think it was still sort of making that transition with my work of like being more aware of contemporary art. And, right. Yeah. Well, Tyler has a, don't they have a study in Italy program? They do. Yeah. Did you I, do that? I didn't do that. No. Um, it's a big, like it's a big program though, right? Or it's like yeah. one of their perks. Is it, is it, uh, is it Rome? Did they it's say? Rome. Yeah. 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 You can do, you, yeah, you could do a year in Rome or you could do a lot of people did the summer right. program. I yeah. actually didn't do that at the time. I had like done a little bit of traveling in college. And so I was like, I think I didn't want to spend the money on it or something. Um, hunker down. It sounded like you were pretty sort of focused, like <laughs> I'm going to grad school. I'm getting this. I'm going to get my work. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know. <clears throat> sort of 
in touch with contemporary work. I'm basically like bringing it up yeah. to speed and then I'm going to go conquer New York. That's <laughs> <laughs> right? It's so funny because, I, you know, I really, <laughs> I really had to adjust my expectations once I got here. But yeah, um, yeah, I did have and New this. York is just adjusts everyone's whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. a constant adjustment. It's a major right? wake up call. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think going straight through school, I was really used to this built-in community of, like, uh, you know, just a built-in audience. And I think it was actually really good for me to get to New York and, and not have that anymore and yeah. not have any shows coming up or, you know, not have faculty visiting my studio. And then I was like, oh, I don't – I'm not interested in making that those kinds of paintings I was making before. And mm-hmm. I started making things, like, really just for myself – which um, was really healthy, actually. Yeah, it's a really necessary. I think for people like myself, like I was in school for seven straight years. Oh, know, okay. Undergrad to grad school. Yeah. And then I even did Skowhegan after grad school. Oh, so it was a yeah. long stretch of yeah. voices. Yeah. And then you get out of there and you just want, you want silence for a little because you just yeah. want to like, I want to do my own thing. Yeah. But then that silence comes pretty quick and hard. And <laughs> after a little while, <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. well, it's really quiet, you know? And it's, yeah. and then you, I think it's, I mean, that's the irony of life. I think you, the grass is always greener. You don't appreciate, you know, what you have until it's gone. And there's so many times, like, when people are in school and they're just like, I just want, how do, I don't want to talk to anyone. And yeah. then you get out and you're like, oh man, it was so great when I could just <laughs> get people to come across the hall and talk to me about my work. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of like, I don't know. It's it's a it's that dynamic between the two things. It's tricky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I loved school when I was in it in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it was really healthier, you know. To, or it was it was just the, an important step that needed to happen for me in yeah. the development of my work. Because I think, like, I don't know if you feel this as a teacher, but um, you know, sometimes you're just like, as a professor, you're just trying to figure out what to say, like how to say something helpful yeah and or or you're just like I felt like sometimes my professors were just into some idea on on, just on their own and then that would kind of like come out in what they were saying to me about my work and then I would be like oh my god like I need to change my work and I need to you know and then I would be sort of perpetually reacting to the last crit yeah and then when I got out I I realized like the the thing that really drove my work in an interesting direction was was just me making my work and then figuring out, like letting it tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I don't know. I think it might have been tough actually if I took any time off between school because then I, it would have been hard to like go back into that like having because now I I get very like cagey about, um, I don't know. Sometimes when people like offer like I don't know if you've had this experience of like people who are like not too far out of grad school like come want to give you a critique. And it's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, okay, like, hold your horses. Like, it's, I don't know. It's yeah, just... I don't, I think <laughs> I can honestly say that I, I haven't had anyone, I don't have too, too many people in my studio. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't, I kind of do my thing now at this point, but that would yeah. be weird to have someone yeah. come and try to critique the work. Yeah. It's like, but, that's not necessarily what you need I feel like when I show the work and then I get feedback, that's a nice, it's not a critique, but that's yeah. input that I like. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like if, what is really more of a question is like, okay, I'm making this stuff and then people are, are responding to it or interpreting it as this. 
And is that what I'm trying to get at? And then yeah. I can calibrate that difference myself at this point. Like I yeah, don't yeah. need someone to tell me how to do it. You know yeah, I mean? that's the thing that I, I mean, I, I do find it really useful when people are like, I really like these. I'm not so into these. Or like I've had a couple people kind of give me critiques on like the panels or like how the edges are finished that has been really useful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it's like somebody coming in and sort of like questioning the whole which hasn't happened lately, but I think maybe like five, seven years ago or something, yeah. I had a few critiques where people were just sort of like questioning everything about it. And it's Come just in like, like, you know, <laughs> I think landscapes, maybe you need to move away from landscapes. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. start painting circles or something. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably too, when you're, when you're doing it long enough, I, I kind of like thought of an analogy of being like a chef that you've cooked so much that you kind of know how to make things. Mm -hmm. But when you share it with people and they're like, well, if, if, you know, 20 people who are trying it are like, it's a bit spicy, then it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe I need to pull that back or like you're adjusting or you're, it's like communication. Yeah. And you don't really need someone to come show you how to make it less spicy. Yeah. But you know, if you're, if your content isn't really getting to people, then okay, maybe I need to amp it up a little or yeah, connect yeah. the imagery in a different way. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of that kind of play between what you're doing and, and what is it's interpreted by from the yeah. public. Yeah, it's yeah. a tricky thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and having, I think the, the further you get away from school, and I think you were alluding to it, like the further you get away, the less, the more awkward that would be or to have someone into sort of, Critique you, quote unquote. Well, I think I've noticed it in people who are recently out of grad school because that's kind of when you learn to be, to to sort of be critical of people's work and Mm -hmm. try to talk about it in an articulate way. And so then you kind of like develop all those skills and you want to keep using them and you think that that's what being an artist is, is like, (laughs) you know, like going into somebody else's studio and like, sort of like picking it apart, you yeah. know, because that's what was happening to you when you're in grad school. But yeah, yeah, it's not that fun when like <laughs> I had an experience of I, I had like a solo show and it was there was this critique group and they like came in and like a couple of them were just really harsh. And I was just like, this is my show. Like, <laughs> why is this happening? Yeah, I'm not asking but... <laughs> that right now. Yeah, yeah. I, that happens too. I've noticed that when people come, like people are fresh out of school or relatively fresh out of grad school and they'll come doing a visiting artist gig and they just come in and destroy the place you know what I mean like break dreams blow up studios and walk out the door like that's what you do and like I've learned when you were talking about teaching like my philosophy has been you know when you go into someone's studio leave your work outside that studio and try to see what they're doing yeah and and what you can do to help them get to where they're trying to go as opposed to maybe you need to be making my work. You know what I mean? Which I think a (laughs) lot of, I've had professors like that who only critique your work through the lens of their conceptual. Totally. I think it's a lot of, it's hard for a lot of people to, to not do that. It seems like that's, yeah. yeah. Because artists generally, we get lost in our world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it is a lot of times a hermetic experience. It's like you're thinking all day about your stuff in your studio and I think to be um, to teach is to really communicate. And if you're not really talking to people all the time, it's difficult to just all of a sudden pop in people's studios and say like, oh, what are you trying to get at? Or, yeah, you know, maybe you should think about this. Is it's you know, you just come in and like, well, this doesn't look like my work. Let's see how we can <laughs> break <laughs> this to down. Move it in that direction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's a real that's you know, as 
uh, teaching's concerned, that's like a talent to leave that out of the equation. If you yeah, can. yeah. It's like you you bring in things you've learned through the process of being an artist, but not like the process of making your own paintings or sculptures or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Necessarily. Yeah, yeah, totally. So when you you graduated grad school from yep. Temple, mm-hmm. you and hung out in Philly. Did you see good music while you were there? <laughs> Did you go to South Street and all that? You stuff? know, I was really into swing dancing. Um, nice. So I would I I went swing dancing a lot when I was there, which was super fun. But no, I didn't I didn't really go see bands or or actually you know I went and saw um, there was this really cool little restaurant that had like a bluegrass night that I went to a uh-huh. couple of times. It was like live bluegrass music. Um, but yeah, that like old timey, like Flat and Scrug style stuff, or, uh, I don't or like you know, yeah, I, guess, I think I don't know. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I went to. I remember when I was in my first year of college, we went to Philly. I don't maybe to see music, hmm. or but we ended up going to a coffee shop, and there was a guy playing piano. It was just oh. this older guy playing piano, and he's playing like Coltrane songs. Oh well. And it blew me away, and I I think I was going to see like an indie rock show, but I, yeah, I kept thinking about how awesome the the jazz was in that coffee shop. And huh. I think that's what triggered my interest in jazz. Yeah. Because I ended up DJing in undergrad and being a jazz DJ for oh, the, really? the radio station there. Oh, that's but cool. But it was the Philly thing that did it. And yeah. it was there was so much great music there. Yeah. You know, but you didn't have to go to a music venue to experience it, which is yeah. cool. And that sounds like... Yeah, like, this place, I think it was even, even like an Ethiopian restaurant or something. It was like totally random that they whoa. had a bluegrass. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember exactly, but it was it was really cool. Um, but yeah, I did do a lot of uh, swing dancing in in Philly, and That's then cool. yeah, and then I then I moved to New York. <laughs> You're not allowed to here. <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah. um, no. I mean, I I think I did it some, but I I my now husband and I kind of were getting together around that time, and I I don't know. I think <laughs> maybe I just didn't feel the need to like go out and dance with people. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, I think, well, and probably too, I was just like hustling so hard to just make a living here and Mm -hmm. make art. And, um, I mean, I went out to a lot of openings probably and, um, yeah, hung out with people. Dancing does feel like a time of your life, like a certain time, right? Yeah. Like I would feel a little weird. Well, it's probably actually great, but I would feel weird being older and going out dancing. I'm not trying to recapture my youth. It's also just like (laughs) sort of geeky. I don't know. I used to I go think, salsa dancing when I... Oh, yeah. That's fun, too. Yeah. It was yeah, a lot yeah. of fun. There were, like, these bar. Well, one of them's still there down in the Lower East Side. Oh, cool. Where it's a bar up front, and in the back there's a room where they have, like, a, an amazing salsa Oh, band. wow. That's awesome. And uh, I, my now wife, when we first started dating, we would go dancing. Oh, And nice. it was so much fun. But now I can't... Like, if I go out with her dancing, like, salsa dancing, it feels like trying to... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like trying to be young. Uh, yeah, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought about that. I was like, I thought about like trying to go to go out dancing like the way that I did before I had a kid, and I'd be like, I just be so old, you know? Like, yeah. it just feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I kind of stopped doing that when I got to New York. Yeah. Were um, you into swing music in general, or were you more into no, the dancing? No, I just was into the dancing. Yeah, I wasn't like the music. I mean, I think there were some songs like I love Nina Simone, and there mm-hmm. would be a few Nina Simone songs. But a lot not of it. Who, not the first person I think of, though, when I think of swing music. Yeah, it wasn't like certainly not all of her uh, music, but there were a few. Right. Yeah, the earlier. That were good. The earlier Nina Simone stuff was a little more swinging. I don't know. There were just like a few like faster songs that yeah. were. Yeah, maybe it was earlier. Um, yeah. Yeah, I went through a Benny Goodman 
Bunny Berrigan kind of like old timey swing phase. Oh, okay. Where I was listening to, I think that's when I was like watching a lot of Woody Allen movies and, oh, you nice. know, getting into a period of that stuff. Yeah. But it's with music, I can just find a genre and just go down the world. Delve into yeah. it. Yeah. It's like a problem. Yeah. I'm do, I'm, it's like right now African funk. Oh, cool. Like, it's, there's so that's much awesome. and so many different varieties of it. Yeah, and then there's yeah. the 70s and then the 80s version of it. And yeah. It's, I mean, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. You can never run out. Of music to find you know, in a so. particular genre. Yeah, these yeah, days that's cool. with the internet, you know, it's a lot easier. Than right, it used to be the long tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there were some. Yeah, like I remember. Yeah, there was some like. I mean, there's some songs that I would swing dance to that weren't necessarily like what you would think of as swing music, but right. were like um, I don't know. Yeah, like sort of like funk or something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe not funk, but like R and B. 1960s or something so when you when you graduated Mm -hmm. did you pack up the dancing shoes and all the art supplies (laughs) and come straight here or did you take time Uh, yeah i came straight here because i had a um i had a swing space residency through the um lower manhattan cultural council so i had like this sort of weird little office um in the financial district um to work in for like i think i had it for like four or five months so that started in May or June of 2006. So I just moved straight from Tyler to New York. I like got a sublet. Um, and yeah. I love that you like... inched your way. You <laughs> yeah, know, I kind of Portland, like circled New York. and <laughs> Over to Boston, got a little closer to three and took yeah. SEPTA and like went up. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of like migrated. Yeah. It was funny too because I just didn't ever really like move out of places well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like, I left my car in Philly and I, I like tried to sell it to this girl, but it was just the car was like really falling apart and she ended up buying it for $200 and like being really angry with me for <laughs> selling it to her at all because it was, but I used to just like leave it in Philly because I think that first semester I was teaching at Tyler. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would leave the car in Philly and then like drive it when I was in back and actually it was Elkins Park. Um, and then I, you know, most of the time just like kind of abandon it on a <laughs> street in, in Elkins Park. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just moved to, I think I didn't have any furniture at first. Like I, I sublet a couple places, like my, the first year and a half that I lived here. Um, and then when I finally got an apartment that didn't have any stuff, all I had was a twin mattress on the floor and I like didn't have a dresser or a desk or anything. And like, <laughs> I remember eating, um, dinner like on a cardboard box and oh, <laughs> it's really bare bones yeah yeah it was really bare bones i was there with yeah. you because my first <laughs> well my second apartment in the city was in like an old loft you know uh-huh. and then my bedroom i just had a futon my cd collection and then my art supplies uh-huh. in one room uh-huh. i didn't eat off a cardboard box <laughs> you one up to me we had a table yeah yeah but it wasn't then... a proper dining table but we did have a surface that's good to... we got one i mean yeah. it didn't we weren't eating on a cardboard box for super long but right. it was you know <laughs> yeah actually i wish i had it i have this great painting of like <laughs> like my uh kevin my husband we I, we would like sleep in the twin mattress and i, I would always like have my elbow like in his head but, <laughs> but yeah i mean then we found i mean yeah i got some furniture from ikea and like, like slowly got put things together yeah. so yeah. what what was the work transition like from 
because in school, I imagine you have a studio studio, like a bigger yeah. studio, and then you moved here. What were you doing so there I, as opposed to here at the beginning? So in grad school, I was, again, like really into portraits. Um, I did all these portraits of the other students, um, and they were kind of like really focused on color, and they were really big. But I was <clears throat> still doing a lot of like painting from life, so mm. I'd have them sit for me for a lot of it. Um, and then, uh, when I got, when I start, when I had the LMCC space, I, um, it was weird cause I was like weirdly cut off from most of, like, I just didn't have much of a network. There were a few people that moved to New York when I did, but, um, you know, I just didn't really, I felt really like cut off and kind of not sure what I was doing, but I started doing all these, um, drawings of kind of like landscapes from memory uh, or I'd like go somewhere and maybe take a couple pictures and then come back to the studio and draw it just the way that I kind of saw it in my mind. Um, and so I got into uh, coming up with my own ideas for compositions, like or, or basically coming because before that I, it was always really about painting from life or so I kept, I mean, like the, just the inside of my studio was, was in every painting. Like that was the that sort was of subject matter. Yeah, yeah. And, but really I was focused on like the, the portrait, like the person that I was painting. And then when I, um, yeah, so then I, I think those first couple of years I was, I would do a lot of drawings. I would kind of come up with an idea. Um, and they were really autobiographical too. They were like my apartment with like my roommate on one end and me on the other end. And, um, just kind of. Uh, yeah, like thinking about these spaces uh, and and kind of presenting them in the way that I knew that they were laid out, but not really a view that you would ever see, but just like, um, like I did one where you could, it was kind of like a, <clears throat> like a cross section almost of, of some of the, or like, like partially an aerial view of this loft that I lived in with like the different rooms and the different people in them and um, so it was kind of from life, but you were inventing. So, or they weren't from life. They were really like, yeah, they were really. I mean, they were from. Well, they were from life in the sense that they were representing real spaces. Yeah. Um, but they were made up. Or I mean, like the like I would. They were basically from memory. Right. Um, and then I did a lot of portraits from memory too. Um, and I I was into folk art and started to really want to get this like. I kind of wanted to get rid of that like. Uh, you know, rendering kind of hand that I yeah. had. Like I had this really good hand for just like drawing something the way I saw it. And, you know, it'd be really realistic, but I kind of realized I wanted to get rid of that. And so I started drawing a lot from memory. Um, and yeah, so I did a lot of, it was a lot of interiors and um, landscapes uh, and just, yeah, I don't know, like paintings of buildings and um and then there were people in them, and I, I was still kind of interested in portraits and self-portraits, so that kind of filtered in for a while. And so I was doing, a, like, a, a, and then I was doing some still lifes, too. Um, Did it change drastically when you moved to New York? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think the, the, like, painting from memory rather than painting from life was an important step. Yeah. And that really did kind of happen you know, over that first year, I, I kind of stopped painting from life. Um, and did you always work at a sort of, I don't want to say small scale, but non-gigantic well, scale? Well, um, in grad school, they were pretty big. I mean, the, the paintings were pretty big. They were more like, 
I don't know, there was one that was like five by six feet mm-hmm. or something. Like they were, or or maybe like three by four. Acrylics? Um, or oil, oil then. Oil then? Yeah. Uh, and then I switched to acrylic in the first couple of years that I lived in New York. Because again, I was like trying to get this like, because I would, I would draw in my sketchbook and it would be sort of loose and wonky and a little bit funny looking. And I, I wanted to translate that into the paintings. Yeah. So at first I would like, uh, draw something in Sharpie and then I like on paper and then I would paint over it in acrylic just cause the acrylic wouldn't like eat the paper. Um, and then I wanted to figure out like how to translate that into a painting. Um, so I think I started working on panel at that point just cause it was smoother and yeah, the acrylic allowed me to, um, I don't know, just keep that kind of looseness in the drawing. Um, Although now, I don't know, I wouldn't exactly call them loose, but I mean, you know, just like not uh, rendered, right? you know, just yeah. more kind of naive or something in, in the way that things are represented. Yeah, because there's like shady, there's representation, there's the sort of methods of making something look quote unquote realistic, but it's yeah. not tied to realism at all. Yeah, I think like when you're really looking at something, like the way that I learned to paint was like take your palette knife and hold it next to that shadow and get the exact color of the shadow. And mm-hmm. I really like stopped doing that kind of thing. Right. And, um, were yeah. there people that you were looking at that kind of inspired you to break away from, I mean, cause you, your, your subject matter, well, maybe not your subject matter, but the paintings have a feel of kind of, um, a little bit of folk. Yeah. Yeah. A folk little art, bit of like the Roger Brown kind of like, or, you know, like, Kind of like flattening of the picture plane yeah, to an extent. Definitely. But definitely some like new agey kind of like spiritual landscape <laughs> vibe to it too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's... That's, um, yeah. I mean, I, so I love Henri Rousseau. I think mm-hmm. he was a big influence all along. I like David Hockney a lot. Yeah. Maybe that's not so apparent, but um, <clears throat> yeah, Rousseau. I liked folk art a lot. I liked Japanese woodcut uh, prints. So, yeah, I was interested in, um, you know, a kind of representation that was really about like a human eye interpreting a space or like a human mind interpreting a space and not like a camera. Right. Um, So, yeah, that was that was really important at at that point. When the color is really interesting and specific to your paint, you know, there's a I don't know how to describe it, but a a non-common combination of colors and then hues and and light and dark within a Mm. painting Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily related to the light in the painting do you know what i mean yeah which is really makes them compelling i think oh thanks especially like some you'll is it is it a nightscape or is it you know dusk or like yeah or is it dawn or you can't figure out exactly when until you see whether it's the sun or the moon or you know yeah yeah but there's a kind of i don't know they seem to travel across time in a way yeah yeah thanks yeah i mean yeah i don't know they're they're definitely um the color i mean the color is always sort of a driving force i'm always Mm -hmm. thinking about like a particular palette that kind of is what motivates me to go to the next one but that's kind of come about um i mean i didn't used to be like that sensitive to color i think i've kind of picked it up over the last 10 years yeah um, I've gotten, and then, so when I started, so I was doing like portraits and interiors and 
some landscapes and I started doing these still lives of um, potted plants that I had. And at first, the, like the first one that I did, I think was a bouquet of flowers. And I was like, oh my God, you can't make this painting. It's like such a cheesy, like Sunday painter, like bouquet of flowers. <laughs> and But then I like, I was like, oh, but I really want to. And then I went ahead and made it and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I, I was really excited about it. And so then I kind of, I started painting all these potted plants. So that's what they were for a long time. And then I think within that, I was like, I got really into playing with color and, um, and then I got tired of painting the pots. So then I started painting more like gardens and, uh, and then it became more about landscape. And did um, you kind of also, whenever you had that feeling of like, wait, I can't paint that. Just look at people like Rousseau or like Ukiyo-e prints or something to like, like they're doing, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times we do that. If we feel like the, we want to trudge into territory that other people might be like, well, you know, and yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't feel cool. Yeah. Cool. Or <laughs> yeah, legitimate yeah. at a certain time or something yeah, like, yeah. you know, just look back to people. I do that all the time. You know, look, look at people and be like, no, no, this is really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. This, this language is, is okay to use. I don't know if I, I don't know if I did that exactly. I'm not, you know, I've never been like great about looking at <laughs> I'm sort of embarrassed to say, but yeah, well, I mean, that's I, free though in a way, isn't it? I mean, I think I was just like, I I was more driven by like going painting to painting, and um, and I mean, I was you know, I'm, I I do try to keep aware of like what what is being made by people now, and I mean, there's so much great painting out there now. I feel like in the last three or four years, it's like there's this sort of generation of painters that is like coming up that I'm really into like, yeah I really like their work they don't care they're just painting <laughs> <laughs> yeah right they don't feel, feel like, like they have to defend it right, painting right. yeah and like no no this is my thing like i'm into like 70s psych out uh, <laughs> you know whatever like yeah i watched a lot of um match game and i love the sets from that and i'm really into this video by this guy on youtube or whatever yeah, it is they yeah. just combine stuff and yeah and it's just like feels like we it's kind of like um it's weird parallel but i feel like in japan with popular music they'll tap into any historical period like they'll mm. just go raging guitar solo or throw a sax <laughs> into a song or do uh-huh. like like time is less like linear time as an inspiration is less of an issue they'll just collage stuff from all over yeah and yeah. music and i feel like painting is kind of here it's kind of doing that now huh. it's like no i'm really into like you know Stettenheimer, like the 20s or something yeah and, and yeah painting of that genre and I think maybe part of that too is because there's so much readily available online that you can be influenced by, you know what I mean? You can go down the rabbit hole of a certain like aesthetic from you know, 100 yeah. years ago or 50 yeah, yeah. years ago, whatever it is. It seems to be less of a, you know, oh, this is what's cool to make paintings about Yeah, or right this now. is what everybody's doing. Yeah, yeah right. And yeah. that's almost like the big warning, like the danger flight, like the whole, you know, zombie formalism or whatever. Uh-huh. Like when people started just make process abstraction and it was right. catching on, everyone's like, whoa, this is, no, there's too many people Yeah, it's doing too this. much of this. It all looks the same. Yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. one shtick and, you know, and it's almost like there's a fear of any sort of collective zeitgeist huh. <laughs> in a way. Interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe people are just like, you know, I'm doing my stuff and, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. I feel like there's more representational painting now that is really exciting yeah. and really inventive. That, like, when I was starting, when I was trying to figure out, like, what my, you know, how to paint or 
yeah, like probably those early years in New York where I was really like sweating over it. Like, oh God, how do I paint? Like, was this, is this really like academic? Like I was really worried about being academic. That was kind of where I was coming from was this like, you know, really academic looking realist painting. Um, and I was trying to like shake that off and, but I was just like, who's, who's making the kind of paintings that, you know, like what's another way of painting representationally that is really exciting. Uh, and it was, it was kind of hard to find that, but like folk art and Henri Rousseau and, um, yeah, like ukiyo-e prints and, uh, all that stuff was like, you know, a good alternative kind of to that. And, but now there, yeah, there's so many painters that are just making this like, amazing representational work that that has that same kind of like weird you know offness to it like sort of naive but obviously it's intentional yeah i wonder too if you know the kind of climate that the art world is in right now which is i don't know how to describe it exactly but it feels almost like people are just i'm just gonna do what i want to do because I think when I was coming out of school, there was a feeling by a lot of people like, oh, if I make this kind of work, I could show at this gallery. Or Uh, if I, or there was a, there were kind of like momentum shifts of like certain kinds of work that people were probably having. This is really cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but now it just seems that there's so much variety that, and the market isn't that great for like emerging that people are like, you know, screw it. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Yeah that gives you a certain freedom or license. I mean, I'm sure it's true. Like people come out of school, think about wanting to sell their work when they move to New York or to LA or whatever, because there's bills to be paid, you know, they want to keep making work. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it's, it seems more open now. Maybe, I don't know. I've been blissfully unhip and I'm like (laughs) the way I work, I felt like has never been cool or you know what I mean? It's yeah. never been in vogue. Yeah, yeah. So I just, just do what I do. and But I, you know what I mean? I, I feel like these days there's just more people who are like, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. And well, not it's, too and worried about it. I mean, what, something that, I don't know, somebody, I heard somewhere was like that the whole point of being an artist is you like, it's sort of like you're going into a corner and then like carving out an even smaller and smaller and more specific like thing that yeah. you do that's... And that's kind of the goal is to just make something that doesn't look like anybody else's work. Right. Which, Which is impossible, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, but it is also like, I mean, it's a better, it's a better goal than like, oh, everybody's really into that person's work. Like I should try to, you know, oh, make yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, impossible yeah. in the sense that like you can't really do something that hasn't been done, but everyone yeah. has their own voice really. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the one I guess maybe positive about social media or the internet yeah. is that everyone who has a natural inclination towards a certain way of working can find people who are doing yeah. something that resonates with them. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, like you were saying, when you first moved to New York and you feel like you're on an island, yeah, literally like, yeah. you know, where are my people? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Now you could just go on your phone and be like, oh yeah, these people. Yeah. I love that Instagram. about Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I love that I can just like spend, you know, half an hour and just like follow a link and then follow, you know, find somebody and find something they posted and find like five new artists. And yeah, yeah I love it. I mean, I feel like there are just so much more work that I'm excited about, you know, that I see on there. Right. Then and it used to be just about like going to Chelsea and being like boring, boring, boring. And right. I'm like, oh yeah, that show's kinda cool. And but Yeah. Yeah. And you were only given those options. Like that's what you were seeing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now it's like you can be same thing with like music. Imagine if you're a band now. There used to be just certain 
musicians that had a record deal and that was your you were influenced by them but now hmm. like anyone on youtube yeah you can find anything at any time basically it's cool so it's, it's kind of it's yeah it's it's maybe i don't know i'm not going to draw a parallel between like positive potential positives for society on a, a more connected world but uh-huh. <laughs> it hasn't seemed to be going that way yeah well, but as a creative it, person it it's cool yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. the 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 possibilities there let's yeah. just say yeah, yeah. I, Instagram is nice. I was I was reading some article that was talking about like Instagram versus Facebook and how Facebook you just there's a lot more like bad feeling when you get onto Facebook and you're like you see all these weird articles and I don't know Instagram it just feels like more positive and healthy in a way. Yeah. At least if you're looking at paintings and you're not like right. I mean I've known I've known people who like just looked at Instagram for like lifestyles of people who were like rich and beautiful and thin and to like feel bad about themselves, which I don't like, I'm not, I don't care about that on yeah. Instagram, but yeah. But I mean, for paint, for art and stuff, it's really great. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people, including myself, who've laid off of Facebook in the past couple of years because yeah. it's just really gotten to be a drag. Yeah. I mean, it's real complainy. Like, yeah. I, I hear everyone, but I mean, the constant barrage of like why everything sucks gets really I know that gets heavy. Yeah. I mean, after the election I had, I, yeah, I stopped looking at Facebook as much and I also had to like consume news in a different way to kind of like insulate myself from it a bit more. Yeah. Cause yeah. otherwise you just feel shitty all the time. All the time. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what is, you know, and it's yeah. the way it's framed, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, Instagram is nice because it's just pictures. I, I mean, know. for artists, it makes sense. It's just pictures, yeah. you know, yeah, and you yeah. don't have to read. Right, <laughs> right. There's not an article or, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we like, not, it's like if I don't really want a news story on Instagram, it's just I can just scroll through and see different people's images yeah. of stuff, which is kind of nice. Yeah, 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 totally. So um, with your work mm-hmm. and showing and like, how was your process of, you know, sharing your work with people once you got here? Um, so, uh, like the first couple of years I wasn't, I mean, I had my friends from grad school and, um, my now husband, um, and then we, he got this loft in Bushwick and then I moved to Bushwick and he started, we started doing shows out of his loft. Mm-hmm. Um, we called it the laundromat gallery and we would, um, have one night shows and and then we started meeting all these other people who were doing apartment galleries or kind of alternative art spaces in Bushwick in like, I guess the mid to late two thousands. Um, and, um, so then we just ended up having this great community of other artists who were, um, yeah, we were just, uh, we were all kind of like showing each other's work. And, um, so that really, I really like rode that wave like that. I, you know, started showing a lot more because of that. It's a big community that, yeah. in that time that was like where, I mean, still, but a lot of people yeah. are moving there and working there and yeah. trying to create their own showing opportunities. Yeah. And that's what, great. yeah, that's what we were doing. We were really, um, like giving other people opportunities and then they would give us opportunities and, Um, so it was really fun. I mean, I went to openings like three nights a week and, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, we just had a lot of fun and, um, put, put together shows and we're in shows and, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like, you know, met various people through that, like, um, Jeffrey Young, who has a gallery in Western Massachusetts. I've shown with him. Um, I've been in some shows there 
And um, Jason Andrew, he has this space called Norte Mar. They're in Cypress Hills now, but they used to be in uh, Bushwick. So he showed my work. And um, so, yeah, I just had that community of, of artists. And I think I became like people knew me in that community. And yeah. I had a lot of friends uh, whose work I liked. And so, yeah, it was just a great way to yeah, it was a great way to be a young artist and in New York. Like I really had a great community of people. Well, you still do, right? I do, or but it's different move, now. I mean, move. yeah. Well, and having a kid, you know, it's like I can't go yeah. out three nights a week. I can't like. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I still love to go to openings sometimes. I mean, if I know people there, mm-hmm. um, and I I try to do that, but yeah, it's not as often. It's not even once a week. It's like you know maybe two times a month or something. That's yeah, hard. Yeah, it is. It is hard. I mean, I do. I still have. Um, I mean, I I'm still friends with those people, and right. I. I do go out when I can. Um, I also have like friends who are artists who have kids now. So I think I have, I still have a good community, but it's like different, slightly different people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and yeah, I do feel like it's more like happening on Instagram and through email. And um, I mean, I think I have like, I I have probably as many opportunities to show as I did then. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not as many, but like as good or, or some better opportunities now. But I think that all that time in Bushwick really set me up to, um, I don't know, it was just like a good way. Like I was constantly making work and my work was developing, but I was like constantly showing it and kind of just feeling like an artist, you know, because it right. sucks when you're just making stuff and nobody sees it. Yeah, that's kind of, we make it to share it, right? Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. 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 So yeah, those were really good years. That's great. Yeah. And now you're working here? Now I work here, yeah. We're just a little, let's just say we're a little further out than you right now. But <laughs> yeah. just barely. Yeah, 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 a little further out. Um, but yeah, I actually, I mean, it's it's kind of nice. It was kind of nice to move here because um, the last few years in Bushwick, it was just becoming so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I, I walk out the street and it was like this like 90s fashion show. like, right. uh, And just lots of people in their early 20s moving there and like every there was like a new bar a new restaurant opening like every week and um it felt more kind of like I don't know noisy and and like there was just like so much going on and so much stimulation when I would leave my apartment you can't escape it yeah Yeah. and um I think out here it's nice because it's um it is a little remote so it feels very peaceful yeah but you're like yeah, it's like the being upstate in a way or something, but you're like bit, seven yeah. minutes away from. I'm like a 15 minute walk from the Halsey stop. So yeah. yeah, it's 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 good. I think it's a really good compromise, and we just have like there's a lot of potential to make awesome studio space. Like you know, yeah, pretty soon I'll have like a really great basement studio. Do you uh, hang out with the neighbors at all? What's well, there's the, what's the. The demographic, like, the people um, interested in Well, there's in art. actually, yeah, there are two artists that live across the street. They're um, Cibeli Vieira and Peter Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, they're artists, and they have a kid also. Um, and then there's a couple other families on the block that are, like, illustrator fashion people. Nice. Um, one's, like, works in TV, I think. And then there's, like, I mean, this neighborhood, there's kind of... There's a big Hispanic population, and then there's also this sort of like old school white people, because I think I don't I don't really know, but I feel like Glendale was a little bit of like a a holdout in the 
like like white flight didn't happen quite as much here you mm-hmm. know like there were a bunch of people that like white people that stayed so there, there's all these sort of like i don't know we call them kind of like crusty old white people yeah. um queen like trump people. voters out oh, here oh right yeah yeah they're like trump trump people um not all of them and then there's you know people like us who are sort of like creative mm-hmm. people moving from bushwick or greenpoint or williamsburg uh, People but, who want a house, yeah. but want to still be close to <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's, uh, but I, yeah, so it's a mix. But it's been great. I mean, we, we're, we're happy with it. I mean, yeah. It's a longer commute, but we have a car now too, so that makes it easier. That's to, a plus. Yeah. I mean, I'm a driver, so I yeah. like driving. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Like, it makes going to see some show in Brooklyn a lot easier, or even to the Met. Like, we drove to the Met a couple yeah. weeks ago and... To see the Hockney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a good show. Yeah, it is a really good show. So how can people come in contact with your work? Like, where can they see your work? Um, well, on my website, amylincoln.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at, I think it's at Amy P. Lincoln. Um, I am, so I have the uh, mural that I just did for Starbucks that's uh, at 195 Broadway, at a Starbucks down there. It's like across oh, the street. Oh, in the city. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was thinking in Williamsburg for some reason. On oh, Broadway. yeah. No, no, in the city. That's yeah, cool. like financial districts. It's across the street from the World Trade Center. Nice. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. How yeah. did you, you did it like in situ? Like, no, I did it here actually. It's on um, four panels. Mm-hmm. Two of them are five by five feet and two of them are five by six feet. So it's 18 feet wide and nice. five feet tall. Um, which was really fun to make something that big. Right. It was really, it really like opened up my mind to how I want to start making bigger stuff. And so many people will see that. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, so yeah, that's up. Um, I'm in a show right now at Deanna Evans projects in mm-hmm. Bed-Stuy. Um, let's see. Uh, Yeah. And then there's like a couple other things brewing, but but Instagram now. is where you'll keep the news section of things going. Yeah, on. yeah. When I make new paintings, I put them up there, and yeah. I keep my website pretty updated too. What's a website? AmyLincoln.com. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's beca- it's funny how <laughs> like people are you know with websites less frequent. I mean, they're still great, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Instagram is such a mix of like other stuff too. Like, I mean, I post a lot of other stuff on there. Yeah. There's things I'm interested in. And no. I feel like I don't make work fast enough to like keep bombard yeah. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I don't like to show the new work too, too much on Instagram. Oh, really? I kind of want people to see it fresh when they go see it. Oh. But there's a lot of times when I'm not showing here that then I have free license. But it's almost like home base. This stuff I want to keep under wraps until I show it. Yeah. Or details or something. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's an old person thing. Oh, it makes sense. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Well, um, thanks so much for having me to your house. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's been really cool to see it and and to see your work and to be somewhere I've never been before, (laughs) which is really cool. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's a great spot. Yeah, now that we have our house, I can say, everybody, come and move to Glendale and make it. (laughs) I know. You don't have to go to Hudson to have like a studio in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's pretty cool. Yeah, thanks. Great. Well, it was nice coming over. Yeah, thanks for for coming over. Sound and Vision was conceived, produced, recorded, edited, mastered, and facilitated by myself, Brian Alfred. 
You can find images that I take from the podcast sessions by going to the images page on the website soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can find even more images on the podcast Instagram feed at Sound and Vision Podcast. If you love hearing these artists speak about their life and work, please support the podcast by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It's also available on Stitcher and Google Play. You can even donate to help support the podcast by clicking the donate button on the webpage. The introduction and accompanying music was generously provided by Michael Lovett. Michael records as Nazca Lines and also Moonlights in the band Metronomy. The bio and outro music were provided by Sean Seymour. Sean and his wife Yoshimi are a band called Lullatone based in Nagoya, Japan. Thanks to them and also Jacob Tutu and Logan Takahashi who have also lent music to the podcast. Thanks to all the listeners who share and support the podcast. All this is done by myself without funding and ads, and it really is you all who help spread the word, and you spread it well. Many thanks to all of you and all the artists for sharing their stories and time with me.